Are you ready? It's time. It's time to let go and use your voice. It's time to be real and it's time to heal. I'm Tiff Carson and this is Hard Beautiful Journey. Hey friends, welcome to Hard Beautiful Journey. I'm so grateful that you're here today for episode 86 because today on the show, I have Matt Gerlach. And Matt, well, he is a highly accomplished entrepreneur, an author, and a coach who has overcome adversity and he's become an expert in personal transformation and alignment. While he has worked with a number of powerhouse brands, he's also built his own fortune. But while doing that, he found himself feeling broken. And after a lot of introspection and a self-discovery journey, Matt created a life of emotional and financial abundance for himself. And now he's sharing this with other entrepreneurs so they can also experience total fulfillment in their lives and in their businesses. But this is more than just business talk. We talk about how being knocked to the ground doesn't mean your life is over. It's usually just the beginning of something even better. Here is my interview with Matt. Hey, Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing very, very well. Thank you very much for asking. I, I'm so excited to chat with you today. You and I are in the same group called Brand Builders Group BBG with Rory and AJ Vaden. And that is how we got connected. And I wanted to talk with you today because you have a really, really interesting story that is very parallel to mine in some ways. And I think that some of the stuff that you're going to share with my audience and with me, it's going to be some really good takeaways because what I've learned from you is that you are a very high achiever like I am. Um, You are always wanting to help others. You're very driven, but it's come at a cost, a big cost. And then there's been a certain point in your life. I think it was seven years ago for you where things changed and something happened that made you want to, or need to start a healing journey. Do you want to talk about what that was seven years ago that led you to talking to me today? Yeah. Thank you for the introduction. So seven years ago, I started a business, a consulting business, sort of in a random sector, but I fell into this line of work when I moved to New York in 2010. So I started a consulting business in the baby product market. So I helped. Oh, really? Someone. Yeah. Very random. <laughs> yeah. Nice people. No, it's, it's just very, just very niche. A lot of people probably wouldn't say they know somebody that was in the baby product business. And I started this consulting business and very driven, like you said, high achiever. And all of a sudden, when I started this, I was faced with challenges in asserting boundaries in recognizing my own needs in handling stress. And really, it came down to a self-worth issue. And I didn't know how to value myself. I didn't know that I was valuable, that I, I didn't know that I that I needed to take care of myself in the beginning parts of this. 
And I couldn't set boundaries. I was having to build a team of people. I thought everybody was hardworking and nice. Not the case. <laughs> I love that you chuckled. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, everyone deserves a chance. I just thought everybody was nice. The same and, as you. Yeah, the same yeah. as me. And Same um, work ethic, same drive. Somebody said to me, I'm a friend of me, I'm a friend said to me that you're harder on yourself than anybody I've ever met in my entire life. And I never knew what to do with that. I never, you know, if you were to say, Matt, you don't sleep enough. I know what to do. I know how to solve that a little bit. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any conception of this being hard on myself thing. And it was nowhere more expressed than in the the business. I just couldn't, Mm -hmm. I couldn't allow anything less than perfection to happen. And it was absolutely killing me. And I needed help. I couldn't find help. I couldn't afford help because I wasn't charging enough. And went to the doctor and she said, you're definitely suffering right now. I was honest with her about that. I was drinking a lot, not during the day, but at night I was drinking and going out a lot. I was smoking cigarettes and she's like, you have high blood pressure. I'm not that concerned, but I was concerned. So I very much obsessed about my health. I was in the doctor's office literally probably every week for a few months going in and just obsessing. And she's just talking me off the ledge. I was honest with her about how much I was drinking. And she's, I don't really, I mean, it wasn't like crazy, crazy, but it was just like, she's, I don't know what to do about the drinking really, because like, you're so fragile right now that there's benefits of it helping you cope for a short term. But I really obsessed about my health. And then my partner and I moved to LA from New York. We're both from LA and we wanted to move back. And the first night we moved to LA, got off the airplane, went to our apartment and started unpacking. And I started feeling dizzy, checked my blood pressure. It was 190 over 110. What? Oh my goodness. And then I called the doctor and she, they said, you have to go to the hospital and the, and I had chest pain and they kept me overnight at Cedar sinai for the first night I lived in LA thinking that I might have had a heart attack. Yeah. Oh um, my gosh. That's intense. And so do you think it was a combination of the business side and the move, or do you think it was all attributed to the business and the drive that you had? It wasn't attributable to the business only. It was everything, you know, I mean, I, I mean, at the time I was 33, 30, 30, uh, oh my goodness, 2000, I was 34 years old and I had never slowed down. I got a job the day I turned 15. Uh, during college, I worked at a hospital as a monitor technician, watching cardiac monitors. And I worked 16, 24 hour shifts you know, driving back and forth from my college, which is 50 miles away. I falling asleep while driving. There was no stop button for you. There was no stop button. And looking back at this, I never really made, I mean, I made, I mean, I made money, you know, and because I was working hard, but I never knew how to value myself. I thought the answer to, you need more money, you just have to work longer. Mm -hmm. So I was really running myself ragged and I just never slowed down. I didn't know. I mean, if I look at my calendar from that time, it's insane. I was on a plane two, three times a week sometimes, Mm -hmm. dinners with friends, getting home from a week-long business trip on a Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. and then going to the store and having people over for dinner, making dinner. It was just, I'm laughing because it was crazy. (laughs) So the, you're in the hospital first, very first night in LA and you are having pretty much like an anxiety attack or maybe a heart attack. What did you do from there? What made you say something's got to change? 
well, my partner, I cared about him a lot. And I knew that this wasn't fair to put him through this. I mean, it wasn't fair to put me through it either. So I knew I had to heal. So between me caring about him and me <laughs> was enough to make me really take this seriously. And so I was discharged and had to see five or six different kinds of medical doctors and of course, a therapist. I started yoga teacher training. That was mm -hmm. a huge part of my healing journey. And my partner and I started couples therapy. I started acupuncture with, with somebody. I was going to sound baths. There was a huge holistic part of this also. But what happened was I started on this journey of healing. And then about nine months later, I started having panic attacks while driving. And that was even worse than the hospital because it was debilitating. I couldn't drive anymore almost at all. And I didn't really know how to ask for help on this, but I couldn't drive. I was Ubering all over the place and I'd make lunch um, plans to meet my family. And then I wouldn't be able to make it. And they'd be like, oh, you know, maybe next week you can drive out here and we meet halfway. And that was very hard for me because everyone saw on the outside, I was traveling all over the world. I was, I looked good. I mean, I did. I looked skinny because I lived off of frozen yogurt pretty much and wine. That and, sounds uh, not healthy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I had dinner, but lunch I'd walk to the yogurt land and, you know, yeah. but yeah, it was, it was a rough cigarettes for breakfast and mm -hmm. looked good. And you know, no one really believed that it was that bad for me, it felt like. So the panic attacks really made it so I had to do something because I was so debilitated. And I finally saw a neurologist that said, Matt, I've seen this a million times. Don't ever come back here. He was the meanest guy. Don't ever come back here. You're suffering from anxiety. You know, good luck. And then that really just like, it's, I mean, I got rid of my therapist and found a new one that was more appropriate for what I was going through. Mm -hmm. And, um, Yoga teacher training was probably the opening of this whole thing, being in a room with other people, sharing our thoughts, learning how to journal and really opening up. And what I uncovered underneath was that I had some significant childhood trauma that had never been processed, never been realized. And my life had really become, it, it, had, it had become taking care of others and prioritizing others. And um, do you think my... it was because you were avoiding taking care of yourself and avoiding uh, looking at those traumas? I didn't know there was anything to look at. I didn't know that I mattered. I didn't know. I really thought something was wrong with me. I would have said that I was damaged and that I was broken. I'd been told I'm at a young age that something was wrong with me and that I was damaged. And I was told I was selfish and all of these, all of these things. Therapy became like, I had to be like, someone's got to validate this. You keep asking me how I'm feeling about this. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. Like I grew up in a house with a lot of love also, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know how any of this happened, but as I started receiving some validation, I was very lucky to have people that did say what you're telling me that has happened. Even I had no friends for four years growing up, not a single friend, not a single birthday party I went to for four years. And even that in and of itself, the people that validated this were like, that's enough that would have really traumatized a person. So I just didn't think that I mattered. I just thought something was wrong with me that I was needy. Mm -hmm. So, so what about the yoga training itself? Cause I've been on my own spiritual journey as well. What about yoga helped you look within yourself more? 
the community. I would imagine that everyone's yoga teacher training situation is slightly different. I was with a highly philosophical woman who I love dearly, who was vulnerable as well. And she told us her stories about her life. And she's like, I used to smoke cigarettes and I used to be, you know, I had a lot of things going on too. And the vulnerability and just being in a room with people. I'd never been in a room like that where other people admitted what they were going through too. And we all had someone, you know, I think one of the people was in an abusive relationship. Somebody else had self-worth issues. There was somebody else who had health problems that had kept her debilitated in, in, in a certain capacity. And just, I didn't know that I didn't know that bad feelings were permitted, but hard feeling, not bad. I mean, kind of a euphemism right there, but I didn't know that hard feelings were something that were able to be expressed. I thought we just keep them in. I wasn't keeping them in. They were coming out passive aggressively, but I learned how to express my feelings and how Mm -hmm. to be okay with my feelings. And And did you do that through, and you said through talking, but you also did it through journaling. And that actually leads to my next question and discussion I'd like to have with you is your writing and that you are writing a memoir as well. I just finished and launched my own memoir and I know how challenging, exciting, uh, nerve wracking it is to write a memoir. Can you tell me about your experience with it? Yeah. So, I mean, journaling became something that I loved doing. I just couldn't stop writing. I loved it. And I thought, why not write a book? It's always kind of been something that when I think back to my whole life, you know, there's times that I wanted to be a teacher. There was times that I wanted to, you know, be an accountant. I mean, there's been things that have come and gone, but the book writing thing always was the one thing that I think I could do this. I'm not really talented and I can't really sing or dance or, you know, I'm not a painter. Maybe one day, I don't know. Probably not the singing and dancing, but (laughs) writing was the one thing that I was like, I'm smart. My brain can learn this. So I actually asked my somatic therapist. She's kind of like a Jill of all trades. She knows a lot about, I mean, she she knows a lot about a lot. And I was like, (laughs) do you happen to have a friend that's a a writing teacher? And she was like, as a matter of fact, I do. So it would have been, I think, January of 2020, we started working together and I had no writing skills as far as putting a book together together. But what she really helped me do was to put my story together. She has a story of her own and she's been through her share of adversity and she really helped me sort through my story. And there was something that, you know, just in no particular order, but this is kind of an example of how this went. I wrote 1500 pages, probably way too much for a book, you know, Mm -hmm. and probably made her life a little miserable because she's (laughs) like, why can't you, (laughs) like a book is 300 pages. Why can't you tone this down? So we don't have to work so hard, (laughs) but you know, she really helped me understand the story that I'm trying to share. Yeah. And one of the things she said to me that really stuck with me, probably one of the biggest things was she was like, Matt, you know, I don't think you've really, and this isn't verbatim in case she's listening. (laughs) It was something like, you know, I don't think you've really acknowledged how hard it's, how hard it is to be gay. Mm -hmm. She was like, I don't know. I grew up in New York and, you know, a lot of my friends were gay and it just seemed like it was very hard for them. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge eye opener for me where I really, I mean, no, I hadn't. I've always, I feel fine and confident as a gay man. There's not really a problem there, 
but there had always been so many bigger fish to fry than my identity or mm. what we're like, we're trying to survive now. We're trying to pay rent. Yeah. Um, you want me to learn how to express myself authentically? So <laughs> really I was like, you know, whatever, somewhere around 36, 37, when this was all going on mm-hmm. and really, you know, 37 years old or so is when I finally learned that, that I really hadn't ever got to gotten to know myself. I didn't have, I didn't understand my story. I didn't have compassion for my story. I didn't have compassion for Matt. That is huge. That what you just said, you didn't have compassion for your own story. And I think that honestly is why a lot of people don't share their story. They don't have compassion for other people's story. So why would they have it for their own? Right. So finding that compassion for you is huge. And now I need to know when this book is going to be coming out and when people can read it. Well, as an author yourself, you know, that writing a book is a very long process and it's not linear at all. So I <laughs> not have... at all. Oh my God. No kidding. It's crazy. I would like, I mean, I would have told you a year ago that it would be just about done by now, but I really want to try the traditional publishing route. And I would say right now I'm, I'm about two thirds done putting this putting this book together. Mm -hmm. So, but there's a lot of sharpening and a lot of fine tuning that's still needed. I mean, I joke, but I hope it's okay to say this. Like I cheated through like college English, you know, like (laughs) I never thought that I'd be writing a book, not like cheated, cheated, but. Oh, I I understand. Cause I have said at least three times on this podcast that my grade 10 English teacher would never believe that I wrote a book like ever. (laughs) It just wasn't in the cards then that I would actually be able to write. So it's interesting how we can surprise ourselves when we just start to look within ourselves and do that healing journey, the things that are shown to us that we can do. Would you say that happened for you too? Yeah. I mean, I would have never, I mean, I would have said three or four years ago that I don't have an artistic bone in my entire body. And now I feel like, to be honest, I'm really not even comfortable saying that yet, that I'm an artist or like that I, it just feels, I mean, I guess it feels shameful or something, which I know is me. That's mm-hmm. a me, like that's a me issue that I need to work on still. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, I feel shameful for like thinking that I could be an artist. I and, wonder uh, why that is. I wonder why there's shame in that aspect of yourself, you know? I was never comfortable expressing myself as a child. I remember I have memories, you know, I feel like everything is around 10, but I also think that there's something that happened around 10. That's where my memory started and stopped or something. Mm -hmm. But I remember being with my grandmothers and being very vulnerable and being very, I mean, I would say, you know, I don't know, I'm just making this up like grandma, why are you fat or something? I could ask like questions like that or something and not be shameful about it. And I don't know if that was the best example, but just really honest observations of the world. Like, Grandma, you look bigger than you did last time or something. Yeah. And that was always met with compassion. And then something happened around 10, I would say, where I, my grandmother, you know, my grandparents, my grandmothers, I I spent a lot of time with, they started getting older and Mm -hmm. not as fun to be around. And I think (laughs) maybe that's when I didn't have, I didn't really have anywhere to express myself. And I, I, I remember feeling very just ashamed 
and I didn't really know that I was gay for sure until, you know, 16 or 18 or something. One of the biggest fears I remember was even, I, I, I remember thinking when I was 10 or 12 or something, marrying a woman and doing that in front of my family, I'd rather die. Like mm-hmm. it just, it just felt so, there was just this shame that permeated my life for who I was, mm-hmm. especially in front of my family. Mm-hmm. And I feel, I mean, here I'm talking to you. I don't have a problem saying this, but this would be hard to have a conversation like this with. I mean, I think it's, I think it's like at the heart of it, people that show an interest in my life, that show a vulnerability to get to know me, that make me feel safe. I feel very safe in front of also, but I think the shame about identifying as an artist, it's not, it's not shameful for me. It's not shameful for to say that in front of you, mm-hmm. it's shameful around people that don't know me as that. They think of me as sarcastic Matt mm-hmm. who sells baby products mm-hmm. and that's not who I am anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and once you've been known as somebody, it's also not just easy just to switch, right? And not switch, but try and get them to understand that you might have evolved, you might have changed, you might have new interests. And that's okay. And if you find if if you can at least find those people that you feel comfortable with, it really doesn't matter about the other people at the end of the day. So I wanted to talk to you about how you are helping your clients now because you are taking what you have learned with your life being a very driven entrepreneur that had some anxiety attacks and all of that stressful stuff, you're now taking that pain and turning it into part of your purpose, right? Yeah. You, what are you doing there? Tell me about thank that. Thank you for saying that so eloquently. Yeah. I don't want people to suffer the way that I did. I think that growth is important and growth isn't always pretty, but I think growth should be like an uncomfortable pressure. It shouldn't be like extreme excruciating pain, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And um, what I'm doing right now is I'm helping entrepreneurs, business owners that have started a company that are doing well, high achievers like myself, learn how to scale their business by advocating for their value, raising prices accordingly, helping their customers understand why the product or service is worth what it is, Mm -hmm. and developing a team, compassionately leading, as I would say, scaling their businesses by advocating for their needs, saying goodbye to the things that aren't serving them, and putting together a plan and a program where they're not working around the clock anymore. I mean, you should be enjoying your entrepreneurial journey So I'm starting these masterminds right now. I have a few openings that are starting in the next couple of months. And that's really where my passion is. I know I can absolutely change people's lives this way, the way I've changed my own. I've driven my own business to bring me in a million dollars a year in revenue as a solopreneur. What do you think? what What do you think is the biggest takeaway for your clients that at the end of the day, at the end of a mastermind session or container that you have them in, what do you want them to take away the most? Number one. That they are worthy of a life that feels good. And being and as an entrepreneur, they are in control of their careers. They have more control over their careers than anybody else because it's their businesses. And if they believe that they're able to 
build this business in a way that supports their ideal lives, I want to help them do that. And it's absolutely possible. I think I'm the proof. You are the proof. I think one of the things that I need to work on that it sounds like you would help me on is setting those boundaries and knowing that the boundaries are part of my worthiness, right? Because right now, sometimes I'm going to do it because I know that person needs that. But at the end of the day, I actually need it more in order to help them do better too. So boundaries, I'm I'm learning how important those are in business right now. I think it's it all goes back to a scarcity mindset. And I believe, I want to say that I believe all of us have some sort of trauma. I don't want to be too polarizing by saying that. So I would say that all of us have trauma or limiting beliefs at the mm-hmm. very least, mm-hmm. which I think stem from trauma, you know, very simplistically, it's, you know, your family or your grandmother, or whatever, telling you, you shouldn't talk about money or you shouldn't want money or be grateful for what you have. Think about that. If you spend your whole life hearing, you should be grateful for the money you have, watch your family struggling to pay bills, never going on vacation. How are you ever going to have a life much different from that. Like you're going to be beyond making... that, beyond that, yeah. what you have seen. Yeah. If if that's what you're told all the time. And having known you through brand builders, I am certain that you are providing a plus level service and I'm just giving the example. But if your job is to send something out to everybody, if I get it to you on time and if I don't, that's my fault for not getting mm-hmm. it to you on time. And I don't want to be picking up somebody else's slack if they don't get me something when they're supposed to. And I think that it's a scarcity mindset. You not getting that thing out, it's one day as a business owner, that's my mistake. And you have to teach people how to treat you and what you need. And I believe the goal of a business isn't to maximize every single dollar. It's to take care of people. If you lead compassionately and you aren't driven from scarcity, you will build a beautiful business that has the opportunity to serve people. And that's what it's all about. And is that what the abundance activation mindset is in your business? I love the word abundance. The mastermind is called the abundance activation mastermind. And abundance is a big thing for me. And I believe it's fully encompassing my journey from the scarcity mindset, the opposite of scarcity is abundance. And then once I became abundant, you have this like shame If you aren't, I mean, if you aren't raised around this, you feel almost this survivor's guilt. And when I look back to the four years or so of my journey to where I struggled so much, the part that I almost remember the most is that shame at the end for having accomplished all of this. And not only do we teach you how to get to that point, but how to manage that too. And it's a constant process. You are who you hang out with. You are who you're around. And for me, I have to protect my energy as I'm really building this brand. And I want this to be so much bigger. I'm really hoping to go out there in the world and really change it by, I think so many of us think, well, nothing horrific happened to me. So I'm not allowed to feel this way, but that's not the case. I'm a highly sensitive person. So you might be able to withstand a bomb going off in front of you. Me seeing a cat fall from a window might affect me 10 times more than you. Mm-hmm. And we need to acknowledge our truths there. And I think Absolutely. that we've been conditioned to compare ourselves to our neighbors. Well, he lost his leg. I only lost my finger. So how do I complain? Mm-hmm. And in building this, in building a business and putting yourself out there, 
you have to believe in yourself. You have to protect that negative energy. So who is your ideal client? Who can you see helping right now in your mastermind? It's really for entrepreneurs or business owners. I'm keeping it kind of niche as I get this started right now. So that's my um, initial offering right now. Mm -hmm. I am also going to be starting something. I, I mean, I'm quite a bit, in the, I'm in the hopper right now. I do want to start a podcast and a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm going to be starting this entrepreneur Q&A thing on the weekends on a Saturday morning, I think it's going to be. So just come ask me questions. But if I close my eyes and envision three years down the road, I really want to be providing a place for men as especially to heal yeah. and to something like really that sticks out to me is a judgment-free healing zone, a place where you can say, Hey, I yelled at my wife last night, or I, I did this to my kid or at work. I yelled at a colleague. It's okay. I mean, the goal is to not do those types of things, but we underestimate the power of an apology. The other day at work, something happened that I, I think it was at work that I said something that was a little insensitive. I thought it was, and it was kind of like, Oh, what do I do? And I aired it. Hi, I'm sorry. I think this might've came out. Oh no, Matt, it was fine. You know, but no one does that. Mm -hmm. And how mm -hmm. much better is the world when we acknowledge what we like? And it's, and I took it, it I mean, it wasn't about me. I, I was able to make it about her and make sure that she felt okay. It was more like I, this was said, and how are you feeling about that? Mm -hmm. Even if you know, you've said something or done something to hurt somebody that you love, or even just a friend or a coworker, it's being vulnerable and acknowledging that you've hurt them and I'm sorry. And that I think helps the relationships in business, in families, and in all of it. So thank you for sharing that with me. It's so true that it's, it's more beneficial to just say the words say, I'm sorry. All right. So where can people find you, Matt, so that they can do this abundance activation mastermind with you and improve everything about their entrepreneurial journey? You can go to my website, mattgerlach.com, and there is a link where you can schedule a free 30-minute phone call. I'd be really excited to speak with anybody. And, you know, if it's not a fit, that's okay, too. I mean, it would just be really exciting to talk with you, and maybe you can glean some information. Maybe I can, too. So don't be shy to reach out. And I do publish a weekly blog, so I'd love to have you sign up for that. I speak vulnerably about what I'm learning in life, and I hope you could find that useful as well. There is a quiz on my website to understand where you are on your path to abundance. And I'm very active on Instagram at I am Matt Garlack on Instagram. Awesome. I will have all of that information in the show notes. Before I end every interview, I asked my guest what they are grateful for today. What are you grateful for today? Ooh, well, this is, I might have my answer. My partner is actually traveling for business and I don't get a lot of alone time. And I'm very, very, very happy to have a few days alone right now. So alone time means, is important. Hey, it means eating dinner by myself, like some music <laughs> and a book. So I yeah. miss him when, I mean, I'm happy he's coming home, but I'm also yeah. happy to have a few days by myself. Yeah, I am grateful that you and your partner, David, and your adorable Bruno, you guys, you should see this dog. He is so adorable mm -hmm. that you guys are safe 
because you're in California and California has been getting hit by some crazy, crazy rain and wind. Hey, is Yes. everything okay with you guys now? Things are okay. Our house, it's a hundred year old house, so it's not without its leaks. And uh, we have a, a storm drain system in the backyard that couldn't keep up, but we survived. You're good. Okay, good. Barely, but we survived. Good. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. I'm also grateful that I just had this chance to talk to you about this important topic and what you're doing to help not just yourself, but others too in this world and show them that there's another way. It's so important. And I just want you to keep shining your light because you're doing amazing. So Thank thank you. you. You know, I'm grateful for you as well. This has been one of my favorite conversations. So thank you very much. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast and sharing how your hard moments have been the catalyst for helping others in their own journey, because that is truly why we are all here to help others in whatever way we can. I love that you are showing others to value themselves and set those boundaries and find fulfillment in their lives keep doing this great work. Do you have a story to tell? I know you do. And everybody's story is important. Trust me. I would love if you would come on my podcast and share it with me and all my listeners. If you're interested, just shoot me an email at hello at tiffcarson.com or fill out the application on my website at tiffcarson.com. I gotta keep saying it. Have you read my book yet? Dancing in the Rain is available now on Amazon. And I would love if you would leave a five-star review on Amazon if you've read it. That way, more people will hear about it and share it with others too. Once again, I am so grateful that you are here today listening. And until next week, friends, please be kind and stay well. Bye-bye.